very honored Frater BT's Esoteric Podcast, episode 69. 69, dudes! In which I interview Catherine Russ, also known as the Yogini Catherine Yoga Mai, at yogamagic.com. But first... Transformation. For those who are new, this is the segment in which I recite my father's book verse by verse and then talk about it. All while we listen to the album Oxygen by Jean Michel Jarre. Transformations by John Dan Reeb. Chapter 2, verse 1. The desert night glows clear in the flesh place, and the air is clean in a sacred place you and I know. The stars glow, and you and I can hear our nerves sing and our blood roar. Even the night creatures, singing with the wind, do not interrupt the music of blood and nerves conversing with earth in universe. The afternoon in the same sacred place is another life glow of the same kind. We climb high in the pyramid rocks, just above the magnetic quartz hill where the world jams into geomantic harmony. The higher we climb, the more quickly we forget our names and the way out of this place. The fiery ones remember and the sky turns yellow. You and I can tell that the gate is open. The red hawk soars lonely above in figure eight. The underground rivers merge with the blood roar, and our nerve song cries in the hawk's throat. The sky opens. Verse two. Balancing the three selves is possible in the flesh place. The being fire burns in the crown, permeating all the rest. In these are seven life centers. Should we tell the others what they already know, or let them find out? Verse 3. Possibly, you and I have created an alternative to the two possibilities just suggested. We can speak to them in whispers that they will know are familiar. That is the thing that the stuck ones will find entertaining. Whispers that they will know are familiar. And now for the footnotes. Desert Night, uh, Joshua Tree, we both know. It could be anywhere, I suppose. New Mexico, I mean, I suppose if you have a desert near where you are, if you're far from here. He was from here, so I'm probably more, you know, close. Although he did travel the world, so maybe he's thinking of some other desert. But I know he's probably thinking of some place in Southern California. Anyway, I love this whole image of 
the world and the body, you kind of get it. I, I, I do my best to get people there in yoga class where in the Shavasana where they're like kind of tripping on that their blood is pumping and the underground rivers are there too and the magma of the earth and they're breathing and the sky is blue and there's wind and all of these things are happening together as one great dance. The specifics of the symbolism uh, one could get stuck on, as my dad would later call in the same book, the eggheads who goose chase footnotes. So I'll not be one of those. I'll simply say we did go a lot of hills and there was a lot of courts. So he's talking about three selves and seven life centers. Is he himself talking about the three Freudian selves and the seven chakras that later Catherine and I make reference to being a, a, a careless and haphazard correspondence? Maybe. Uh, I don't think so. But maybe. I like how he lets it be kind of like, oh, you and I are in on this, right? You kind of can tell that that's very intentional, because if, you, if you're high and mighty and snobby and talk about stuff like I do, that people don't know what I'm talking about, then they might just immediately be turned off. But if I talk to people and say, well, you, you and I know this, they might be more inclined to be like, well, yes. So uh, there's that. I always felt like he was talking to me. That's the nice thing about it. The whispers, they will know, are familiar. Earlier in chapter one, he mentioned, I shall create spaces in words for you to find for life dancing. I think that these whispers that they will know are familiar are very much related to those spaces. Check this out. If you happen to not be driving, go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, depending on which way you swing, and search for Edward Reeb, and that's R-E-I-B, and that's B as in brother, not D as in Dave. Yeah, B. You got it. There it is. Edward Reeb Yoga. Go ahead and download that onto your phone. Hang on to it. You might just like it there on your phone. And every once in a while, just, just every once in a while, you get to hear about some free class I'm doing. And who knows, maybe I'll be Skyping. Our guest tonight is actually going to be the guest on the To Be a Yogi podcast, which is a sister podcast to this Esoterra Nerd podcast, as I like to call it, the other Esoterra Nerd podcast. You are about to hear the complete interview, well, as complete as it's going to be, on the To Be a Yogi podcast. Uh, the next episode will be an abridged version, more specifically focused on yoga. And so... Without further ado, let's get to the interview, shall we? Greetings, Sir. Welcome to the Esoteria Nerd Podcast. Thank you, Edward. This is the first time we've spoken by voice, but I've known you for years. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your name? Okay, so I was named Yoga Mai um, about three years ago, almost now. Mm-hmm. And um, it was shortly after I created the website Yoga Magic. Mm-hmm. And I was putting, I had a, another Facebook account called Yoga Magic. And then um, I met a really interesting mystic who actually, um, he's studied a lot of Hindu scripture and also was a is a yoruba actually priest a yoruban priest so mm-hmm. a really interesting fellow interesting what was his name 
Shivaji. And he gave you the he gave you the name Yoga Mai. Uh huh. And that's uh, how do you spell that? It's Y O G A M A Y I. Nice. So now you're located in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. Are you there all the time, or do you do you plan on moving? Or um, no, I'm not here all the time. Yeah, I'm going to be going to New Orleans in probably about a month, and um, I will be also teaching in August at the Finger Lakes Yoga Festival in New York. Oh, cool. That sounds like yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. So Yoga Magic is your website, right? Yes, it is. Uh, I was born in West Covina, uh, mm-hmm. part of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And, um, I lived there until I was about seven, and then I lived in San Diego. Uh, when I was really young, though, before I even moved to San Diego, I got into tumbling, which... I was only briefly exposed to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was kind of frustrating. I was really a spoiled brat by the time I was that age, I guess, because I got tap and ballet and I got a few little little fun things that the parents were letting me do. I was really surprised that they were they were going for. And um Now what's tumbling? Tumbling is the pre the precursor to um gymnastics. Okay. Yeah, that's what they put the little kids through before they put them in gymnastics, where they they pretty much break them and into like little pretzel workhorses. <laughs> but anyway, um, I you know I didn't know how good I had it, but being denied, being forced into being a gymnastic pretzel workhorse. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe it would have it probably would have worked out this way anyway too, because when I was a child, I was into mythology. Mm-hmm. I was into all types of uh, mysterious things, anything that's like fantasy. Uh, I was just always into that type of stuff. Uh, the supernatural became a thing after that. Yeah. You know, so it was like, uh, well, I, I guess like uh, mythology was my was my gateway drug to the occult. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it goes from, you know, what were these weird gods that uh, distant ancestors used to believe in? It goes from that to how do I interact with them? Yeah, pretty <laughs> like, much. What are they like? Can they take over my body if I let them? Or Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the like, questions start to get a little deeper. Fun. Like I'd have like an invisible friend, you know, then if like everyone else is being mean to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that happens a little a little bit more than we all want to kind of admit that. Yeah, the uh, invisible friend thing. Yeah, so the gymnastics and the and the interest in in the world unseen and um the mysteries and things like this. I think the intersection of those just became a natural thing for me because I was also interested in eating for maximum health. I became interested in that at an early age too. Yeah. And um, I mean the breathing, even the the pranayama stuff that happened just around the same time that I was in tumbling or got kicked out of tumbling or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was. Uh, I think some movie was out around that time uh, that was about five or six called The Big Blue, and I think it was also you know about free divers. Hmm. Okay, I think I missed that one. but Yeah, and it was also, there was some news segments or something, something I remember seeing on television. They gave a detailed description of breathing exercises to retain your breath underwater for extended periods of time. Cool. 
And so I naturally was like, wow, I, I learned how to swim before I could walk anyway. And mm -hmm. so I was like, I like being under the water. I want to be under the water as long as I can. So naturally, I, I went towards the breath exercises too. Yeah. So these all kind of came together and just brought me in the way of being basically a mystic yogi. I recall um, you were talking about Kundalini awakening Reiki from a distance or something at one point? Oh, yes. Uh, Kundalini Reiki. Mm -hmm. um, it does make people think that it might induce a kundalini awakening. Uh, but it's it just on your end, right? Yeah, it doesn't really induce the kundalini awakening. It um, it purifies the passages through which the, the kundalini passes. Hmm. So that's the interesting thing. People oh, so, so it's a preparation for kundalini. It can be that, and it can also be a corrective procedure. Interesting. Yeah, the attunement will help to straighten out any of the um, little, any of the knots or the the kinks or blockages that are happening on the on the subtle plane. Yeah, yeah, with all of the the, um, the three knotties, you know, the three channels. So sometimes the right one is more active than the left around the time that the Kundalini awakens, and it causes a damage. Oh right, so uh, Ida, Nani, and uh, Shushumna, is that right? It uh, Ida Pingala. Pingala, um, right. Yeah, Shushumna right. is something else. Shushumna Nadi is the middle one. That's the okay. That's the one that the Kundalini is supposed to go up. Right. But sometimes, well, it really kind of goes up all three, more so through the Shushumna Nadi, of course. Mm. But um, it can go up more one side, more side, more to the Ida side or the Pingala side at one place or another place. Um. So this is why it's said that you should work with a competent guru or somebody who really knows what they're doing that you can actually trust. Yeah. Yeah. It's not so easy anymore, of course, to find someone that you could actually trust. Yeah. That's an understatement. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's one of my motivations with um, making these podcasts is to get information out there that had previously or is ordinarily reserved for, you know, people saying, well, come get my teachings. And, you know, it's a lot of it's been published, a lot of it's written in books, but not a lot of it's as accessible as audio. You know, I mean, we, we have um, certain recordings from famous, you know, Paramahansa Yogananda on, on one end and Rigardi and Crowley on the other. There's some recordings. But, uh, but you know, nowadays, uh, we might as well, the, the, the technology's here, so we might as well broadcast i figure i think it's great i've been thinking about doing it myself but i feel like i have so many little projects happening that i'm trying to do all by myself mm. at this point that i i don't want to overextend any more of that of this yeah these just you know completely you know really impassioned endeavors that are just all by myself so it's like it's too much yeah I definitely relate with that. One thing that uh, in my process, I, I've, I've discovered that when it's if I'm if I'm very patient and it's cumulative, and I don't exhaust myself energy-wise and time-wise like all at once, um, then I can do many things. It just takes a long time, you know. So because I've got like 15 different projects going on myself, I, I just have one or two that are uh, obviously visible at any given moment just because I don't want to just clutter everyone and saying, hey, come check out my nine podcasts, you know. Uh, <laughs> <right. laughs> There's sci-fi. There's everything. Uh, 
<laughs> That's great. Yeah, really. I I noticed recently that uh, you know the hip hop artist, the rap artist Kia. Mm-mm. She does the my neck, my back. I'm, we'll we'll be hearing it right now later, but right now I don't know this song. Yeah, yeah, well, right. <laughs> so she anyway, I I was surprised to see she even does like a little talk cast thing, but I think she just does it on YouTube. She just yeah. does it on YouTube channel, and she yeah. just hangs out with her friends and talks, and it's very informative and funny. Very cool. I um I got invited by my buddy Cast over the what you were saying about the energy channels reminded me. Um to the they, they were doing something in the bun the bun tradition b o n or however it's spelled the uh, yeah. pre pre buddhist tibetan i guess what what would be called pagan to a you know uh, sort of a, a christendom uh centered version of english speaking person um like the old the, the very ancient one uh, well anyway they they had they were doing some exercises where there was a red it was um i'm trying to remember it was Red, white, and blue, but it was it was uh, blue on the left and white on the right, and then red in the middle. And and one would go up one way and then wrap around uh, the somewhere in the top of the head and go down into the root. And the and, and the two sides would both do that, and then the center one would go out the top of the head. It's really interesting. It's bizarre, elaborate breathing exercise. But there's a lot of room with something like that for people to come along and say, here's the long missing thing that, you know, no one's ever heard of because I'm the only one with the lineage, you know. So, I mean, I'm always skeptical of, of, of that kind of thing. But, you know, yeah, at right. the same time, I'm interested. Right. And especially if I get something out of it. I'm like, what was that? That was interesting. <laughs> I think I have my own lineage. That's like, maybe that's a problem I've got. You know, where I, like I don't feel like I can go underneath anybody anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not necessarily a problem. Yeah. It just means you're a type of person. Like, it means you're an alpha on a you know a certain kind of spiritual alpha. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I don't want to sell myself too short. You know, I yeah, could yeah. always I could always run into the next amazing spiritual juggernaut. You know. Yeah, but there isn't a lot to. There isn't a lot to like believe in <laughs> out there. <laughs> I think probably part of for that's technology and the the availability of information that it's much more difficult to dupe a room full of people into believing, you know, one harebrained side of the story because someone is going to challenge it publicly. Right. Yeah. Um I really am interested in the idea of writing some serious stuff and publishing it to the point where it might even invite people to come and dispute some of the things I say. And yeah, I think, yeah. I think I would welcome that type of experience. Yeah. Yeah. I could see where, I mean, I've been able to turn th- things like that into, into inspiration at this point, time and time again anyway. So, yeah. I, I mean, I have gotten to the point where I could kind of, I can think of the word Satan, for instance, as an adversarial force. Right, and I right. could kind of so so much as like hail that Satan, you know, mm-hmm. and just be like, "Hi, you know, like you want to tell me what I'm doing is disgusting or or absurd?" Oh, I would love to hear more, you know. Well, yeah, and the one that <laughs> the one that calls you disgusting and absurd in the name of Jesus doesn't understand that they're actually being the accuser, also. 
So they, yeah, they they too are a devotee of Shatem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. It's just like I don't know. I I got to the point where I started seeing these uh, identities of Satan and Lucifer as potentially also like two separate things, mm-hmm. and also can be used as a office. Right. You know, like a role you're playing, and. It can switch, you know, it can be, you can be a Lucifer for darkness, or you can be a Lucifer for intelligence and knowledge and gnosis. Yeah, it's true. Like black hat hackers and white hat hackers. <laughs> yeah. They're all the same people anyway. Yeah. Yeah. They're all still hacking. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, well, as far as officer roles go, it's, um, it's a good idea to, to move from, from role to role so as not to get stuck in one. But then on the other hand, at the same time, if the world needs a Hyrus or if the world needs a, you know, an accuser, if, you know, then, then it's noble to, be, to step into that role, I suppose. But I think just as a personal, like as a whole being, like uh, as a soul, it's good to be the, the nurturing mother that forgives everybody just as often as the, uh, you know, the scolding father that's punishing or whatever, you know, uh, however, yeah. whatever. Or you could just, you could just switch between mother maiden and crone. And right. You know, I don't, I don't think that would make anyone less of a man. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> it's like, you know, I've been talking about this a lot lately, just how sexual identity is so invested in concept. And it's yeah. just, it's so conceptual and, if if a male is going to be, for instance, like more soft and nurturing and and gentle, it doesn't make him any less of a lover than a man who's like forceful and domineering. You know? Yeah, when I when I catch that, like someone who like you know someone who likes me, someone who wants to be my friend, they want to buddy up with me. When I start to get a, a whiff of uh, you know kind of an old fashioned traditional chauvinism slash homophobia, I just start describing in intimate detail the time that I gave a blowjob to the Prince of Denmark, and that <laughs> usually takes care of it. You know, the rest just sort of takes care of it. Itself and they either get over it, you know, or they're they're willing to overlook that about me. You know, it it does something. It 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 helps tear down a wall one way or the other. And I think I think it does something positive for the world in general. Because in the next generation, you know, they might not tell their kid thus and such when they're four years old, and that makes a huge difference. Right. If they've you know changed their mind, I, I looking at my dad's old journals for for instance, you know, or his old poetry, like it's clear that he didn't he didn't care for uh, gender deviants, you know, or as he said, gender benders and uh, and people who say that men should marry men and women should mar- marry women. He was like very passionate about when he was like nineteen and in nineteen fifty nine he was railing against it. And it's like Jesus, Dad, what's wrong with you? Because I remember growing up with a man in the eighties who was like. You know, who was much more open-minded. He had gone through some stuff in the 70s and the 60s and come around and that kind of thing. But now he's passed away. And uh, so I just wanted to make sure that I was on the right side of history. So I asked that guy out to his car. You know, and that was that was my whole motivation. I just wanted to be able to say, hey, don't identify me as one of one of your fellow KKK members. You know, like For real. I'm on the other side. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. I feel kind of I feel kind of leery about about being around large twi- tribes of white people here in Atlanta. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> oh, in Atlanta, well, yeah. at least it- I'm like I'm like I'm not my my genetic lineage has nothing to do with anything about keeping slaves. Yeah, 
in this country. <laughs> like, I was like, I want to be clear about that. Like, my, my family came here fairly late in the game. They didn't mess with Indians. Right. You know, it just wasn't my family's flavor. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I wasn't directly involved, like, as far back as my family was here. Um, but they, I do have some Dutch roots in New York, you know, and I don't know exactly what... I unpaid servitude went on, you know, in in those situations. So, I mean, I went through, you know, when I was a kid and I, and I learned about all that and I went through my time of feeling really guilty and it still comes back around and I did my years of doing charity work and downtown and, and, you know, it's still there. It's still there. But I, I, I feel like I've done, I've actively done things to, to, uh, in, at least in my own feeling, in my own mind, um, if there's a, if there's an inherited karmic debt, then, then I've got to do some action. You know, I've got to do something about it. Right. Hmm. So I wonder if just getting some Kundalini Reiki attunements and, and healing your karmic bond with it. Yeah. Help because that's what all that's of that stuff the, helps. Totally. Yeah. I like that with the Kundalini Reiki because you can do stuff with people that are in, they're like not in communication with you and they're, they're, you know, they've turned their back on you or whatever. They won't talk to you. Yeah. And it's, you know, it would be considered like black magic if you were to work directly on them. Right. Without their permission. Yeah. But you can work on the karmic bound. You can work on the connection. Yeah. And that's what's cool. I like and that. And I, th- I think probably past life stuff is more uh, personally, you know, that that's where the karma is is more directly you know, I, I mean, I think that there is ancestor karma that gets passed down the genes because I, I have this house I'm in for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. um, it was built in a neighborhood that, uh, you know, prospered after the everybody got their GI bill. And some people were told, well, you have to have a house over there where it's going to be worth shit in 30 years. And, and but mm-hmm. you get you get to have a house over there where you're going to be a millionaire later. So, I mean, to to benefit from something. And then disown the karmic debt doesn't seem 100% true to me. I mean, you know, a lot of people really want to, you know, they'll say something shorthand like, oh, white guilt sucks or something, you know, like, uh, like, you know, or some that's not you. I never owned slaves, you know, or just some quick little witty thing to try to disown the uh, the injustice in the world from right you know and just look at the richer people and complain about that and not look at the fact that we're richer than most of the people Mm -hmm. yeah we just take so much for granted now i mean i've been talking about this a lot lately how most people now are totally capable of eating how royalty used to eat and getting gout how royalty used to and all of these things, Lead you know, poisoning like, the way royalty used to. Yes, <laughs> like all of these lovely little things involved with like gorging yourself on meats. Like so many people can right just things that go. used to be associated only with the upper class are now associated yeah. with the lower class in the in the peripheral. <laughs> like eating at McDonald's every day and you know like right. drinking extra large soda. Yeah, all the sweets and the alcohols and the and the meat. It was like that was the stuff of royalty. Right, you know their deal. But the people people who can whose parents could afford to send them to a good school will come out the other end going, gee, I should really watch what I eat and maybe take up some kind of yoga practice so that I'll live. Yeah, on. right. 
So, I mean, that's kind of part of, you know, that, so even these podcasts are kind of tied into that, like, hey, hey, out there in the world, the places that have been totally screwed over by, you know, my cousins. Um, oh, yeah. Hear what I'm saying. Hopefully, you know, act ab- upon it. You know, think before the next time you go to Jack in the Box, like, mm-hmm. whatever. Ka-ching. If only right. I could get money every time I, like, mention some brand. <laughs> totally. <laughs> wow. So let's see, Vajrayana Buddhism. I just thought I'd say that. Yes, Vajrayana Buddhism. So the microphone that I am speaking to you on was bought for me by a Vajrayana monk. Nice. That I was, I was, he, you know, he gets donations and stuff, and so it was donated to me from him, basically. Mm-hmm. And. I was grateful for that because my, my obviously my computer sounds like shit when the <laughs> microphone's not working. So, um, but anyway, I was doing meditations with him um, on his on his meetup. He does a a Google Plus meetup. Mm-hmm. There's a dog dreaming next to me right now. <laughs> What's his name? Oh, I, I, I mean the the the, the uh, it's monk dog. Oh. Or both, whichever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, his his name is Thab, Thab Kidorje. Oh, that's a good name for a dog. Oh, no, not the dog. Oh. <laughs> the monk. Oh. <laughs> the, the, dog, the dog's name is uh, Layla. Oh, cool. Midnight. Yeah, she's just visiting right now. Layla and, and um, what's the other dog's name? Uh, Coco, Layla and Coco. <laughs> yeah, but Layla is like she was bark. She's barking in her sleep right now. Anyway, <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh yes, yeah, so this monk, and I, I began. I began co-hosting meditations with him online. Where can we find those? Um, you can go to. Okay, what is it? Is it just meditation online? He's known as Thab Kidorje. He's also known as Dawe Gacha. So they have, you know, these Tibetan monks have got long names. Mm-hmm. Dawe Gacha. Let's see. Theartofliving.org. Okay. Is that what it is? Let me make sure. I can't really quite tell. This is talking about Sahaj meditation. There's so many meditations online now. <laughs> we can always figure it out later. Yeah, we'll find it out. We'll find it. But yeah, Dawei Gacha, you can find him on Facebook also. Um, but yeah, his the rooms are getting full. There's only 10 per room that you can do, but he adds on a second room somehow. I think he adds another camera or something. Mm. Yeah. I see. That's pretty good. Nice. Um, yeah, it's like a 45 to an hour of meditation. Is it like going through different levels or connecting with parts of the body? There's a little bit of setup at the beginning where you just work on your breath and then they, it's just quiet for 20 minutes. And then every 20 minutes they ring a bell to bring you back Mm. and help remind you to stay present. I see. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Like for for people who who are addicted to the internet or their phones to find Mm. ways for them to meditate anyway is always good. Oh yeah. (laughs) Take an hour, you guys. Close your eyes. The insight timer. For $4.99, you can have a bell rung in five minutes. Oh, yeah, right. Totally. 
Then you can I've get got a, it. You can get a Dharma I'm a bell subscriber. Timer. Yeah, you are. Uh-huh, that's great. Yeah. Dharma bell timer. Well, I used to do um, yoga during my lunch breaks every day, so I had to make sure I didn't fall asleep during my shavasana. Oh, <laughs> or if I did fall asleep, I'd wake up. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's also, there's also this um, wonderful meditation, you know, that I've been teaching lately with the candle. Mm-hmm. It's Tratak. Have you done any of that yet? Mm-mm. Tratak is great because it helps to strengthen your pineal gland and it cleanses it. Nice. Yeah, and it's one of the Shatakarmas or the the six uh, Kriya practices in the Hatha Yoga Pradipika. So I could just put my candle on my website. I'm thinking about doing that. I can make them for um, anywhere between fifty and hundred dollars. I'm trying to think of what I'm going to price them with or at. So kind of. A little bit involved, but it's it's a nice, simple candle holder, too. It's just made out of rope and bamboo. What was the name of the website again? It's yogamagic.com. Oh, okay. And that's magic with a K, right? M-A-G-I-C-K. C-K. Yeah. So um, have you worked with a lot of, like, what, any Western esoterica? Well, I had a friend in... Massachusetts that I was staying with for a little bit um, mm-hmm. who he created his own kind of like occult group or whatever and mm-hmm. I, I, he's probably he was, a former student was, I know it was really interesting he was he was in Homsi uh, yeah he is a former student is his name Dennis no his name is I called him Frater Barabbas, but it turns out there's another Frater Barabbas. Oh, wow. How funny. I'll bleep out his name. but Yeah, he, yeah, definitely. He gave me, he definitely. Gave me my sword. That sword what? that I that you see me use in the, in the, in the streaming, uh-huh. he, ga- he gave me that sword. Oh, wow. Yeah. I probably held that sword. <laughs> uh, he, he, when, it was when he was getting his air dagger. He, uh, he got it as part of a set that was a sword oh, and a how, dagger. How long ago did that happen? That was 2001. Oh, 2001. Okay, yeah, that was before I met him. Yeah. Um, huh. Well, that's neat that he tried forming a group and stuff. I think he's on my... Yeah. Uh, my that was interesting. My Facebook and stuff. His ex-girlfriend went on a podcast and said that I had slept with my mother, so I had to... Um, oh, it's, oh, my God. I had to threaten them, you know, no. to, and they took it down, and I sent her a very bitchy note, and she blocked me, so... <laughs> Yeah, she. I'm the I'm the ex cult leader, cult leader lackey from her point of view, the oh, brainwashed yeah. culty that she had to run away from. So, I mean, I I, I think oh, I'm just forever God. branded in that role in her mind. So, yeah. And she just yes. decided to add on to that that my mom and I had had sex and and go public with it. And I was like, Ooh, okay, wow. fuck you, you know, like. <laughs> that's, really, that's a really way to burn bridges. There's always a reason for everything, and yeah. These people do not talk to me anymore, and I don't know what I did to mm. them there. But it does look that it looks to be that they have a problem with accountability. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. That's what I would. This is what I would chalk it all up to. He got into publishing, didn't he? Hmm. I don't know. The last time I heard, he was working with Mac. Oh, okay. Oh, this has gotten so so catty. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. That's so funny. Oh, the occult circles of the world are so tiny. Oh, um, 
Yeah. Before him, actually, I met somebody who's in an AA group who I don't think I will mention. Mm-hmm. And I met him in Holland, and um, he inspired me to make some kind of sigil. And it turned out to be like a hyper sigil that I had no idea where, I don't know, it, it kind of worked in through a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And it worked with um, some particular published materials that say that you shouldn't mention them. Hmm. Yeah, very freaky stuff. And yeah, I was, I was always I was always kind of a wuss. My my grandma was fundamentalist Christian, so I always yeah. had that little streak in the background that kept me um, away from anything that was just really overtly dark. So I, mm-hmm. I was I always worked with the Shem and not the Goetia kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When people argue about whether the Goetia are you know um, Canaanite gods or or Hebrew demons, I'm just sort of like, I, I don't care. I, I just, I'm not working. Uh, I just never yeah. bothered. I, um, I heard a story about one of them possessing my dad and trying to kill my mom and my sister. So I just avoided it, you know? <laughs> Pretty much. I get you. Yeah. Like... So people, people are like, oh, well, that's just Christian, uh, you know, I'm like, well, maybe it is. Sorry. You know, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Maybe in my next life, I won't have that imprint. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, my dad was tantric Buddhist. So at the same time, I thought that, you know, working with the perineum at a young age was pretty normal. But, you know, and so in church, I was like activating the bandhas during prayer and stuff and just sending pink light out from my chest and secretly going om when I was saying amen, you know, uh-huh. just a little thing. I, so I was kind of always bridging that. So I just sort of am still doing that because I, it just because it's useful for some people. I know that like for other from the from a lot of people's point of view, they're on page 30 and and I'm on page four, but I'm on, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing for the people who are still on pages one, two, and three, <laughs> you know, That's and, good. I, and I on page four that. so that they'll, they'll know oh. that they're not alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what else? Okay. So, um, what other, in, uh, do you have any other influences or interests as far as occult, esoterica? Is there any, uh, like a voodoo thing or anything else? Well, hmm. I've, I've known some people that are involved in, um, not so much. Well, like kind of like voodoo. What else? Mm-hmm. It's more like Yoruba, though, which is like older than voodoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of that. It's a. I have like a light interest in that. I've never really addressed it too directly, though. Yeah, I haven't really delved in, but I've studied a bit. Yeah, been like just kind of looking at um, hoodoo uh, practices, protections, and things like that. Yeah. Lately. Um, uncrossing rituals are very interesting to me right now. And, um, I just feel like I need to, I don't know, it's very annoying to me. I feel like I have like a crossed condition, but I've also been told right now that I'm, um, near the end of my Rahu stage or whatever for my, um, my Hindu astrology kind of thing. I don't know if you know about Hindu astrology much. Not enough to know what that means. Okay, yeah, the, the Rahu phase is like the really troubled, difficult phase in um, a person's life that could span several years. For mm-hmm. me, they say it was like an 18-year or is an 18-year span. And I'm coming to the end of that, um, I guess, maybe around November of next year. Or this coming, I think it's this coming November, really. So that's kind of good. I'm excited about that because um, it's been like, I've been having so many troubles with business and finances for so long. 
Mm. Um, it's just driving me mad. Yeah. I've had people ask me if I've tried to kill myself before after looking at my astrology. Mm. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm like, oh, well, I have had some trouble. I've had some trouble. I will say that, but I haven't tried. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I always felt like it wouldn't help. Like it wouldn't wouldn't make the depression go away, and I'd just have to start over as a baby and shit myself and go through puberty again. So what's the point? You know, like I'd rather exactly. just wait this one out. You know, yeah, put that off as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always figured it'd be better to just crawl out the window and just walk than to kill myself. Like if if my situation is that horrible that I'm really going to kill myself, then just walk. Like I'll 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 try out being a bum. You know, if I have to, if I just have to hit the road. You know. Right, there you go. That's, that's <laughs> a good way to look at it, I think. As a last resort, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought about, like, when I was around 21, I think I thought about killing myself, but I was like, no, I think I'm just going to go back to L.A. Because that's what I said, <laughs> you know? And I was like, I'm sure L.A. will kill me pretty good if I don't, you know? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I was just such a negative, such a negative place in my 20s. Yeah, it was like... <laughs> My self-esteem was, like, so bad when I was 20. I I thought that I had to keep my, my hair black in order to, like, feel good about myself. <laughs> I was like, my roots started showing. I was like, man, I don't feel normal anymore. <laughs> yeah, I can kind of relate with that. You know, yeah. Look in the mirror. I haven't shaved in a couple days. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'd avoid me. <laughs> Yeah, well, facial hair is a different thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I ended up with this mustache. I mean, it was that guy Golden Stash, of course, the, the street artist inspired me to grow a mustache. But now I'm like, I feel so, com- I feel like I'm committed to it at this point. I, like, uh, yeah, I don't entrenched, know. Entrenchment. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's like he made my uh, my logo, the little white man meditating in the blue square. And, uh-huh. uh, and so I feel like if I shaved my mustache, I'd be betraying him. <laughs> Not oh no no the plan is i was gonna show up at comic-con and like and paint it gold and uh then walk around in a tuxedo with a bunch of masonic jewelry and demand that people know who i am Oh no! <laughs> or or rep- reprimand them for not knowing who i am and then joe chance um the my co-host uh was going to show up at, as the other golden stash, and then we were going to argue about who the real, gold, real golden stash was. Meanwhile, the real golden stash is in Massachusetts, and we're not going to reveal his identity. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's kind of funny. That's deep. <laughs> it was like he created it as a talisman for himself of who he wanted to become. and then, uh, But then I started growing the mustache, and so now he actually has a mustache, too. <laughs> he didn't actually oh, have a mustache before, but now he does. <laughs> That's too much. Yeah, I know. It's a problem. Because <laughs> I, I, I go to yoga class and it's like some people are like, oh, he looks interesting. And other people are like, who the fuck does he think he is? <laughs> you know? Like, do you think this is OK? You know? And I'm like, I, I see that. I see it on your face. I, I don't do know what to tell you. This is OK. You know, <laughs> like. <laughs> oh, wow. Where do you think you are? What decade do you think this is? I don't know. You know, my my man has a beautiful mustache, and he's oh good. Pretty, <laughs> well, yeah, I don't I don't feel so bad. I, I grew up I grew up teasing people for mustaches, is what it is. So I'm <laughs> now I'm the victim of my own ridicule. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
God, I miss him. I got to get back to Australia. How long are you guys apart? We've been apart almost a year now. It's a long oh, distance God. hell of a relationship. That's difficult. Yeah, I prefer not to use such adjectives. <laughs> yeah, difficult? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. I, I prefer to say that it's wonderful because somebody really, truly loves me that much. I think I, at this point in my life anyway, I naturally need to work on my boundaries. Yeah. Due to, you know, several things. Like, where, like, yeah, I mean, I, I've been messing with the occult since I was a kid. It was all, like, I mean, I did go, I, I hung out with, I cavorted with the OTO, too, before meeting, like, Golden Dawn Kid and all these other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I played around with um, Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible and Satanic Witch. I thought those were just like novelties when I was a child, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I went as dark and dirty as I felt like doing, you know, that day, you know, whichever way the wind was blowing. Yeah. You know, and I really was so skeptical. I was allowing myself to play into all types of ignorance with it. Yeah. So it was... It was really eye-opening to find out later on that I had a lot of spirit attachments um, and that it really was affecting me on many levels that I wasn't really quite fully aware of. Yeah. Yeah, and since I've been able to be clear to those things, it's much like having had lived with parasites and not known how those parasites were manipulating my subtle faculties. Because mm. that's how parasites work, you know? Like if you eat beef... There's something in that beef's bodily fluids or body that wants to feed on it. And it's like it could be microbial, it could be worms, it can be all types of things. There's yeah. It's like a whole other world you're letting in you yeah. when you eat another animal. And then the agendas that are going with the whatever it is that enjoys consuming that animal mm. are in you now. Yeah, and they want you to feel a certain way because they mm-hmm. eat that peptide. Yes. And so when they don't get that, then they eat you. Yeah. And then you start to feel depleted. And you're like, oh, God, I can't live without my meat. And so it just, the cycle perpetuates. Right, or my lactose or whatever it is that it's addicted to. Yeah, and similar stuff happens with spirit attachments. Like, oh, I, you know, you can have a sex addiction and not realize it actually has something to do with the succubus or incubus attachment you've got. Hmm. That was a big freaking deal. And people will just joke with me and they'll laugh or they'll they'll actually become very nasty and they'll they'll try to turn things around on me very quickly and they'll be like, Oh, well, you're victim shaming like a woman who got raped, you know? It's like, no, I never did anything to that nature. But people will they'll distort my words like really quickly when hmm. I bring these things up, which makes me think like, hmm, whose team are you playing on right now? You know, it's like it makes things get real weird real fast. Yeah. Yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done to overcome the uh, inertia of the patriarchal, you know, uh, just the way everything has been and still is in most of the world. You mm-hmm. know, it's like we, we get spoiled in Portland or, or certain parts of Los Angeles and forget that most of the world is still living in, you know, some previous century from our point of view. I mean, it okay. sounds it sounds arrogant, you know, when I just blurt it out that way, but that's how it feels from the point of view of someone who isn't constantly surrounded. I mean, you know, that, that ad that just came out telling everyone in Saudi Arabia how to properly beat their wife, you know, it's just... Are it, you it, kidding me? It's oh, sick. No. I mean, oh. I, and not to, not to just, you know, point fingers somewhere else, but I mean, you know, the shit goes on here. 
here in this country in various forms too and and right. it, it goes on i mean it goes on su- subtly and insidiously in um you know if you have a group of progressive thinking you know like a commune or something and everything and then you find it there too you know and it's it, it's mm-hmm. like how did you get in you know who who let you in how did you not understand the basics you know before you you walked in here you know right Got to let pe- give people the same respect that you demand for yourself, regardless of what they look like, regardless of their size, regardless of the pitch of their voice, regardless of what role they play in reproduction. Right. Absolutely. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I can just talk forever about things like this just because it's like, I mean, for instance, sexual exploitation between adult males and females it's just like it's it's rampant. It's so rampant. It's considered to be a natural process that a man and a woman agree on some kind of a transaction where it's like not even a love relationship at all anymore. There might be sex happening. There might be all these things that look like a romantic relationship happening, but underneath it all, it's a mutual agreement to use each other. Hmm. Yeah. And that I think maybe that plays in with some little demonic possessions as well. Like I, I seriously think this whole world needs an exorcism and um It's Kali Yuga clock. Yeah, it really is. And like this is like where, you know, the end of the Kali Yuga I believe should be coming with, with a like a huge purging, you know, and yeah. it should be a spiritual purging actually. And people constantly long for death now. People constantly long for mass death. Yeah. Um, and they think it's going to help and then it happens and it throws the world into more chaos and more sorrow and sadness. Yeah. And it's actually just pulling the vibration down and down and down. And so I feel like the only thing that we can do is to be direct and uh, very direct. Yeah. About the way that the spirit realm directly interacts with human psychology. Human psychology is inseparably parapsychology. Yeah, one of my teachers, Gordon, used to say the brain is just a switchboard and that it's all going on in a place that doesn't have location, which, you know, mm-hmm. of course is a paradox, but the uh, the actual being, the actual viewpoint isn't, you know, where it looks like it is from the point of view of the sense data. Right, it is a paradox. It's like, it's the it's the paradox of what direction would you be observing the void from? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What side of the void are you on? Like to look at it from. It's like <laughs> the universe is talking to itself, but somehow I control this voice and not yours. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's really. It's incredible. Yeah. The stuff that happens when you have a big bang and a bunch of dust going around. You know, it's shenanigans. Mm-hmm. They, they they recently uh, found out that. Um, at a certain point in certain stars' uh, evolution, they blast rivers out of their poles. <laughs> like, what? Like like thousands of Amazon rivers just going out of the north and south pole of of budding stars. <laughs> wow! And, and it goes through. It go, for, it starts out, of course, as vapor, you know, coming out of the fire, and then mm-hmm. turns into water briefly, and then turns into ice, and so it ends up with they're, mm-hmm. they're shooting ice rivers out the top and the bottom, and that may actually be right. where all of those where Halley's comet and the rest that are out in the at the edge of our solar system came from was when our sun was shooting rivers out of the top and the bottom. It's just so cool. So trippy sounding. That's yeah. So cool. yeah really Every like. time they f- discover something like that, it like adds a new layer to just 
I mean, on such a great level. I mean, I, I I'm really glad to have been able <laughs> it to gives embrace. Me goosebumps. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I feel I feel sorry for people who are trying to decide whether or not they believe in evolution, because they're really missing out on a lot of like present time religious experiences in science. <laughs> I know, right? Science is having like a, like religious orgasms now. Yeah, <laughs> these guys are just yeah <laughs> staying up all night. They're on Mars time and JBL. <laughs> Isn't it past your Mars bedtime? <laughs> so how did you get started with yoga? Uh, I was only about six years old and I was in tumbling. And then <laughs> I was taken out quickly because my mother was not able to keep paying for it since she had my sister on the way. <laughs> so I had to stop and I was really bummed out and I was such a spoiled little brat at the time. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was so upset my sister was on the way. And then I was like, oh, well, it's my sister. It's my only sister. I had to get over that pretty fast. Yeah. And um, I realized that I could, you know, just work on it by myself, work on stretching, work on uh, different ways to move the body. And um, coincidentally, at that time, I also was into swimming and holding my breath underwater as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on, what I was doing, the stretching, I learned at about age 11, was actually yoga poses. Like, I was doing actual yoga poses. I wasn't just making things up. I th- well, I mean, I think that's how yoga came about, though. It was somebody just stretching and right. making things up. <laughs> so it was like, I kind of organically invented yoga the way that it was invented, I believe. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, also... What was funny, I just found out about five years ago that the underwater thing that I was doing with the breath retention, that is an esoteric yoga practice. I don't remember what it's called, but the yogi holds their breath underwater as long as they possibly can until they almost lose consciousness. Interesting. Yeah, that's some practice, apparently. So uh, what kind of yoga do you teach? I teach um, basically Raja yoga. Mm. which incorporates all of the yogas. And so um, the things that people are innovating all the time on a regular basis, I just consider that as hatha, according to what I teach. You know, because hatha actually is, is translated as a means of force to direct your senses inward. Hmm. So um, I teach a lot of the classic postures and... I can. I mean, I've taught so many different styles since I've been teaching in different studios and gyms for mm-hmm. so long that um, I mean, like I'll teach that standard vinyasa thing that everybody likes. That's right. kind of dancey and and kind of aerobic and fast. I can totally do that. And I've um, I've adopted some detox oriented kind of like uh, sequences, you know. And also, I've taught a lot of Yin yoga, which I really love. You just have to have a lot of props for that yeah so people will be supported um and i really enjoy teaching dharma which is an interesting part of yoga too i've also taught a little bit of kundalini yoga honestly now uh, what is dharma in this context dharma as in um basically after a meditation period so i'll teach meditation and then we'll talk about the nature of of meditation or of what we're experiencing in our mind Mm -hmm. or what makes it difficult for us to stay in a space of love and happiness or contentment, you know. So Dharma is such a broad topic. I can talk about 
um, anything basically and applied um, yoga to it. Um, so anything that we, we happen to go through on a daily basis or something that like, for instance, uh, having a hard time waking up in the morning quickly and starting to understand that that's actually a process of choices. Um, it's like very small choices and it's like micro processes. But if you can get into those micro processes of choices, you can wake up easier in the morning. Yeah. You can you can talk about that in Dharma. You know, there's like so much. I have a um a a dish that has the Japanese do symbol on it, which is their word for Dharma. Nice. That um in uh, the statues of Padmasambhava always depict him holding it well, you know, not with the Japanese symbol, of course, but holding a, a vessel that represents the Dharma in his left hand and the Vajra in his right hand. So I emulate that practice sometimes when I'm in, doing my personal work. Yes. Yeah, I love holding the rupas and Vajras and things like that during meditation. I think that's it's nice. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't have a regular practice of it, but I have done it from time to time nice so what are your plans for uh for the future as far as you know yoga teaching and and yoga magic and all that so i've just recently decided to open up yoga magic to a kind of yoga teachers community Mm -hmm. at least right now to start and um i just want to give people who who are yoga teachers and have been teaching it for a while or who are pretty skilled um, and have a hard time finding other yoga teachers to relate to, um, or they have a hard time. They seem to like not be connecting well to a lot of like the general populace. Perhaps they have, like like me for instance, like kind of like a uh, esotericitis, I guess you'd call it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think bit. I've probably got that. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you're into like the really deep and heady stuff, and some people like. <laughs> You know, they're branching off into the other camp where they're just like, I just want to do acro and I want to be pretty and, yeah, and cute. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there is definitely uh, a lot of different ways to approach yoga. I, yeah. try, I try to be able to, you know, like I've, I'm building up my reputation, I think, for being able to teach the straight acro stuff by teaching at Crunch Fitness. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, so I've got, I, I'm, I substitute for, you know, different people's classes and stuff like that. But when people come over here, I mean, for what so far has been free classes, like I don't feel just in my personal background, I, I came from a, a school where they didn't charge for healing. And so when I do something that I consider to be healing work, like helping them open up their chakras, I, um, I don't charge them unless they want to make a donation or something. But if they're coming over and I'm using my training in yoga and alignment, to safely navigate them through a set, then that I charge for. So that's kind of my where I'm at with it personally, but that may change. Right. That's interesting. I've been working on providing a little bit of um, counsel for people lately. It's like maybe it doesn't sound like it's directly involved with yoga, but I still think it does. Yeah, I, don't I know. think it's I'm all connected. I'm to this point where I feel like I can write my whole life into a yoga kind of um, scenario. I feel like I'm just totally absorbed in yoga at this point in my life. Like I, I do feel like I've to a level embody yoga. Excellent. And 
it's it's really interesting you know I can just kind of it, it drives some people up the wall though because I don't do small talk very well at all I'll, I'll start going off on some deep inspired topic <laughs> at lunchtime and people are like wow I just I just want to take a break you know like, I'm just yeah. trying to eat my lunch and I'm like oh you know that can get lonely (laughs) that's another reason why i have this podcast is i have to reach out to people all the way across the country to have a satisfying conversation (laughs) sometimes right you know and this is probably why i should have a podcast as well (laughs) yeah (laughs) because I, i do feel like my students are so far flung i have so many people all over the place that they want me to come to them they want me to come teach them and i'm like well well, I can't come to you because I can't make very much money right. in the one place where I'm at. Is my like as a yoga teacher, I am not doing well right now. I have to be honest. You know, I'm. I feel like I'm doing better as a organizer. Um, you know, for planning events and things like that. Hmm. But I don't want to just do it for myself. I'd rather, I'd rather help promote other people. Yeah. Um, and especially if it's people who are teaching something that I can really believe in. Um, so, I mean, that's why I just opened up my website basically in this way where it's like, Hey, if you, um, you know, feel like you've got something going on, um, talent or skill or wisdom or knowledge wise with yoga, be it, uh, you know, if you have really good asana teaching skills, that's great. But mostly I want to find people that also see the true value um, psychologically or psychically even, um, we can say, in yeah. yoga. And um, I think it's just really important for the future of the entire planet Yeah, that um, people begin to practice yoga more holistically and um, begin to truly embody what, what yoga is showing us, like that we can be totally honest, totally accountable, and get rid of the fear, just like chase that fear out, you know, because um, it's amazing how I'm seeing this trend lately, for instance, that there is no fear. There is this denial of fear. Um, it's like, well, I posted fear is failure referencing the neophyte initiation and that upset a few people. But <laughs> <laughs> That's much more of like an inspiring, in the context, not, not to interrupt too much, but yeah. it's, a, it's a ceremony where you're, you're being led forward and, and that part of the ceremony, you're like, what's going on? Why, uh-huh. why did I just take a weird oath? You know, and then, yeah. and then oh, they, God, lift, they blindfolded me. Then they lift your hoodwink and then they scream, yeah. fear is failure. And then you're totally confused because you're absolutely <laughs> terrified, but they told you fear is failure. So you're doing your best not to be afraid. And then you see a nice guy or, or gal who tells you unbalanced power is evil. Unbalanced mercy is weakness. Go forth unto the cubicle altar of the universe. And then that's it. Uh, so right. it's like, like there's a context, but I mean, I guess just blurting out fear is failure. Like I, people are like, no, it's a proto survival instinct that has a role. Yeah, yeah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah. Exactly. Is that we get people that we get a camp of people now that like that defend fear as like something that you need. That's good. Mm-hmm. And then people that deny fear. And it's like, where's that middle path? Right. Where would the middle path for that be? Accepting wisdom, accepting that there is fear and, and also entertaining the idea that something that is preventing you, like in your mind, something conceptually that is hindering you, preventing you, or immobilizing you from doing something, is rooted in fear. Right. 
And sometimes that's very, very hard to see. It's like it's like looking at like one of those magic eye drawings. Yeah. I swear, it really is. It's like some people just really don't have the mental concentration to just look at why they don't. Like, for instance, this pelvic dance party that I'm holding July 30th. Mm-hmm. I'm plugging all types of stuff now. <laughs> um, this, this pelvic dance thing is based on um, Jungian shadow work in a kind of like covert way. You know, and um, but you just you, you haven't even been begun to like step toward those shadows if you won't even move your pelvis at all. Right. You have not even begun. He's like, you know, there's a shadow there, but you won't even walk that direction. Yeah. Because you're just like, nope, not for me. You already have closed the whole door, the whole, all the doors of perception to what moving the pelvis can do for you. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the things about teaching this party to the the masses that's kind of tricky because it requires people to really focus on, like, why don't you want to do this? Yeah. And it's like, this is like a social experiment Yeah. as well, you know. So it might fail. It might do well. I don't know. But I, I just know I'm in Atlanta, and I'm in a place where a lot of people shake their asses. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, come on, can't some people want to just like get down and have some fun and party and, you know, we'll see what happens. Interesting. Yeah, people get conditioned, you know, as far as I think maybe shaking the hips and um, and the shadow might actually be related, you know, you know, just in, the, in, in, in this society where, you know, if someone is uncomfortable confronting their own shadow and all, they're probably also uncomfortable, you know, doing the hip thing, you know, mm-hmm. or may, maybe, maybe not. There's probably some overlap. There's like a, right. a best, there's a, there's, there's a, gonna in be the Venn extent. diagram, there's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's some people that are will be able to, they'll want to dispute this all day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you're taught that the devil, you know, is evil and that's where all the, you know, the, the part of you that wants to hit your sister, well, that's the devil, that's a demon, you know, that, uh, and you oh, have right. to, you have to just, pray like, to Jesus just, to take it away. And so right. people you get conditioned just... deeply that way before seven and yeah, there's not much you can do about it. I mean, you can try. Right, right. Yeah, that's the tricky thing. I don't know how I I got into the position I'm in, but I've been very precocious. You know, I was, I was before I was born with precociousness. I'm making up all types of diseases tonight. <laughs> Esotericitis. What was the other? Yeah. one? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> I think I think precociousness. Once it gets aggravated, it becomes esotericitis. Esotericitis. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's the advanced stage. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, I started out being into weird things. And then that somehow led me to taking an oath to isolate myself and study nothing but weird things, which <laughs> eventually led me to breaking out of it and wanting to be normal. 
And so I always thought of yoga as too normal. My dad uh, taught me, you know, the chakras and the bells and the and all this stuff. And then he would say, well, when usually when people say yoga, they're just talking about stretching. That's not even, you know, yoga. And so mm-hmm. I had this chip on my shoulder, you know, where I'd be like, well, yes, I'm an esotericist. I practice yoga, too, but I practice real yoga, not this stretching. And then, uh-huh. yeah, okay. and then I grew up oh, and, you know, had had an actual yogi kind of, you know, knock me around just in about 2009 and, and made me realize that not only had I misunderstood, but this is probably my salvation. You know, I mean, I, I needed to get out of the situation I was in and this is something I can really dedicate myself to that yeah. can, can only be good for, for everyone involved. That's good. That's great. I love that. I think yoga is really the only thing that has saved my life when it comes down to it. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, a lot of it's people like, say that. <laughs> the strongest life affirmation around, I think, is just, yeah. yeah, yoga is a, it's its own kind of entity. And I was going to say it's like a amoeba. Yoga is like an amoeba, and then whatever the organism that it eats, it becomes more one with. It becomes mm-hmm. more like. Yeah. And the organism that yoga at large has been eating looks like Swedish gymnastics. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. Makes so sense. now the yoga amoeba everyone is seeing, and it's like a, the thought form of the yoga amoeba is doing like dancer pose when someone thinks about it. Cause they're, and they're like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> and that's as far as it goes. Is Thank you, Kali Yuga. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's nice that there's these like really surfacey um, schools of yoga for people who aren't anywhere near being, you know, uh, knowing that they would be interested in any of the deeper layers of it, any of the koshas or anything else, any of the yamas or the niyamas. And they can start out with, you know, I, I, I was trained in a school called Broga, which is yoga for bros. Oh. <laughs> Broga. It's where you don't you don't use any of this Sanskrit or these words like love and heart. You say uh-huh. sternum. <laughs> you don't say compassion. You say lift your chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you don't play any of this music with these female vocalists. I finally got out of that. I was like, okay, this is really too much. But wow. but I, I got to say it was a fun it was a fun training, you know. But I, I think I got some kind of permanent students off of that because I've got some. Ooh. Yeah, that still come to my classes, even though I'm, even though it's not Broga anymore. Have <laughs> well, fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so you were teaching the Broga? It was, was. Your, it, it was your invention. No, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, what okay. happened was I started teaching at Crunch, and I was new. You know, it was my first actual job aside from teaching in k-town not to say that's not an actual job um but they were paying me cash and they have a two star yelp rating so you know um so i'm (laughs) i'm at crunch where they have three stars and uh or maybe four i don't know but anyway so a month in the the ceo says hey can i uh would you mind getting trained to teach broga and uh, I was like, uh, okay, yeah, no, I don't mind, sure. And so I came to the training and, and uh, w- went through it, and uh, then they put me on the schedule, and then I was teaching Broga. But then what I didn't realize was that the the founder and then one of the other higher-ups were going to, like, come whenever they were in town, they were going to come to class and not tell me. And then uh, afterward, I was, you know, 
I sh- ought to have 15 minutes after class, you know, to sit down and get criticized by some guy from the Midwest who made up a kind of yoga where, you know, because the whole idea was that, you know, a lot of guys, you know, guys with boots, they think that yoga is kind of sissy, you know, they think it's for, for women. So we want to kind of package it in a way that they'll be like, well, I don't know about no yoga, but this broga sounds all right. And then eventually, years down the line, they might be like, well, maybe I'll try a yoga class. And so it's like really going out of your way to reach out to these people. Oh, wow. Yeah, I get you. But, you know, I mean, but it's kind of like heartfelt. I mean, I I was into it because like my dad never would have gone to a yoga class. So I kind of felt like like maybe I was reaching out to other, you know, intellectual, overweight arrogant assholes like him and uh and that maybe maybe could save them from um you know gout and everything else that <laughs> like we were talking about but yeah um, right you know i mean but i i, I don't necessarily want to like dedicate myself to working within the school of broga but i i do throw it up there on my resume as one of one of the one of my influences or one of the things that i can draw from in my classes yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a time and place for everything, and always know your audience. That's definitely yeah. a big deal there. Um, like I've I've taught in a proper yoga shala. I've taught in gyms. Um, you know, I've taught religious people in Israel. Nice. You know, yeah. So that's tricky. You know, there's certain poses you don't want to do around proper Jewish women because it will freak them out. Hmm. But like. Happy baby, I imagine. No, peacock. Oh, that freaks them out. They're like, oh, "Don't do that, honey. It's bad for your womb." Oh, I'm like, oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, they're just very womb centric. The women there, and they see you jamming your elbows into your your abdomen. You know, your abdomen, abdomen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pronouncing like I'm a foreigner. <laughs> I do that sometimes. I go into accidental accents. But anyway, yeah, they they think that that's going to hurt your womb. But I also was doing a mudra at one point by the Western Wall, and they really didn't like that either. It's always the odd Jewish woman that comes up to me to, like, chide me and tell me I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. I was was totally surprised. I I invited all my Jewish friends to uh, my Jewish wedding. Uh, Janie and I got married under a canopy, and uh, and then we invoked, using all these Hebrew divine names, we invoked the goddess Isis. And then Isis showed up and conducted the ceremony. Ashirah, whose name was carved beside that of yod hei vav in the ancient Hebrew temples in Egypt, we call upon the feminine counterpart, an expression of God who makes his unknowable nature known. Come thou forth. I am she. 
them. So I thought I was going to have offended a lot of people and that I was going to have some explaining to do. But all the, the people who showed up from work that wore their yarmulkes to the wedding were coming up afterward and saying, that was the most brilliant Jewish wedding I've ever seen. And I'm going to be talking about that for the rest of my life. Wow. There was, you know, I mean, because I, I mean, I, I was pretty solid. I mean, in my mind, I mean, to 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 uh, an Orthodox rabbi, there'd be absolutely, you know, but I mean, I, I went kind of across the board with, okay, we're invoking the feminine aspect of God, the Shekinah, who was known as the goddess Ashira, who corresponds with the goddess Isis, and she is of the nature of Avalokiteshvara, or Kuan Yin, and here she is, she's wearing a crown, okay, she's going to conduct the wedding with a sword. And so, I, I mean, I, it was very sincere and, and very, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was basically Golden Dawn, you know, uh, derived in its symbolism. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was nice. It was nice to find out that I hadn't offended them. <laughs> For real. I'm glad that you did not. Yeah. There's a whole spectrum, though. I mean, there's people turning over cars for driving on the Sabbath. Oh, wow. Not every Sabbath, but, you know, it does happen every now and then. <laughs> I never knew. It definitely got very quiet in, in Jerusalem when it was the Sabbath. Yeah. Very, very quiet. <laughs> I was like, wow, where'd all the cars go? Whoa. <laughs> what has happened? Yeah, I, um, when I was going through my training, because, you know, having that background, every time they'd say something, I'd be like, oh, okay, so that's like the Yechida. Oh, okay, so that's like the <laughs> the Ruach. The, the oh, that's like the Neshama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Prana is like the Ruach, and the Guf is the, you know, the first Kosha, and, you know. Yeah, and so right. they're like, are you speaking Hebrew? So I, that could be <laughs> Go, go to Israel and just be like, now, in India, they call it this, but y you and I know it is this. Oh. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, people are hardly even, like, grasping the koshas yet to even start thinking about them, not only in Sanskrit, but also in Hebrew. How would you describe them? I, I, I described them the other day, but in my own unorthodox way. How would you describe them in your un or unorthodox way? Okay, so I love the koshas. So the part that you, you know, that we have in the yoga magazine all the time that we work on, we wanted to get it exactly that position. And, you know, obviously that's the the the, the food body, the mm -hmm. anamaya kosha, you know. And then the the part that moves us and animates us as living entities is that pranamaya kosha. And it's also the breath. It's also strengthened with that um, pranayama and then um, along with that the breath carries in through the mind also the movements that are chosen to be done you know in the in the pranamaya kosha that's through the mind the manamaya kosha mm -hmm. so the mind body is something that we're often trying to use in order to unite to the prana to the ananda to the anamaya kosha so we only often address the mind all the way through the prana into the ana, the food body, anamaya kosha. And there's very little extra focus anymore in the yoga community. They can't get beyond that in an, in an hour-long yoga class. Right, and not have a few people drop off because they're half fundy or whatever. Yeah, whatever it is. They're like, dude, I need to go eat my hamburger after I'd done with my yoga. Yeah, yeah. You know, or I need my beer after I'd done with my yoga. Because, the, you know, a lot of people do do beer and yoga now or wine and yoga. <laughs> yeah. And that's become a really popular thing. And this is interesting to me. So instead of going into the wisdom, we're going into the intoxicants. Yeah. 
so we can so we can trick ourselves into the feeling of being uh, connected to reaching into the um, to the um, Ananda Maya Kosha, the bliss body. So we've overridden the Vijnana Maya Kosha. We just skipped it. Yeah. We skip that and go like, okay, I'm going to drink now or smoke weed or whatever. I mean, weed's great, by the way. But... <laughs> I got invited to do cannabis yoga. And I, I, I said yes, but I, I said I didn't want to put my name. I didn't want my name attached yeah. to it because right. I, I plan on teaching some sober people too. You know. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know, and it's like it's not everybody should smoke and do yoga. It's yeah. not like recommended. It's not. Well, and not every kind of yoga. I probably don't right. want to do kriyas right out. You know, when no. you're all high. Yeah, you really don't. Or teach kriyas when you're all high. Yeah. Yeah. No, especially teaching. I don't recommend it. I know in the, in the. Are you familiar with the Source family? No. There was this group, this cult in the 70s back in Hollywood, uh, or back in the 70s in Hollywood, I should say. And uh, they, they would take one six-second hit of marijuana in the morning, partly because there was 140 of them, and they had to make sure there was enough for everybody. Aww, that was all cute. they would have all day. And then, so after that, then they'd go in and they'd do Kriyas and stuff like that. But that's different than like, let's get ripped and then do yoga, you know. Oh, yeah, right. That's just kind of cute. It's like a little little tiny nip in the morning yeah that's not a really yeah it's not like let's smoke like bong loads yeah totally bombed i mean there is like luckily with marijuana it does have a limitation it cuts off after you smoke so much you can't really get any higher yeah but the thing is just you just fall money. you just fall asleep <laughs> you waste money you fall asleep you burn all that stuff then you're hungry and it's like okay yeah there's nothing to do with that you know yeah. there's like even the even the saints in India that smoke it, they only do like two drags in the morning after they bathe, and then they do two more at night. There, there was this great documentary on Netflix about hippies that went to India and stayed there. Mm-hmm. And there was this one guy from, I think he was from Holland, and uh, he was talking about how he used to have all this ambition, and he used to you know have all these things he wanted to do, and then he took acid, and then he came to India, and now he lives in a cave, and he smokes marijuana to to because it makes the ambition go away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, it makes the ambition go away. Yeah. Listen, so, think... so as a Buddhist, no, I think he was he was a, a devotee of Shiva, but he, he thought oh, that, yeah. he thought that was a necessary part of his yoga. But he was kind of laughing when he said it, so I think, you know. Oh, well, that's good. He probably probably wasn't taking it that seriously. Like, he had to. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, everybody. There's probably truth in it. Like, I mean, I get that. For me, I I get a little bit irritable, you know, and so then I I, I smoke some to take the edge off, but. Yeah, right. I think it's good when a woman's on her her moon cycle. It, I don't know. That's that's why it became legal in Amsterdam mm. too. You know, the queen liked to smoke it when she was on her moon cycle. So nice. Yeah, that's how it got. I didn't to realize be. they had a queen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I should I should know more about politics in other countries <laughs> and stop being such a, a stereotypical American. <laughs> I'm not sure who's really. I mean, I know there are there is a royal family still acknowledged in Holland, but I'm not I'm not sure if it's still the same kind power. of royal power. Yeah, system. I'm not sure how it works. Right. So, yeah, but that probably heavily system. influenced it. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure they're very involved in the politics if they're not ruling. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, someone yeah. asked Queen Elizabeth what she thought about Brexit, and she's like, oh, I don't get involved in politics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, yeah, by the <laughs> way, sit I, there pulled, and be the richest woman. I pulled up a model of the Koshas just a little bit ago, and mm-hmm. I'm looking at it, and this one, I mean, I think it's interesting to see the more modern takes, because every time somebody, this is like watching the way the Bible changed, hmm. seeing the way that yoga terms and models and things like that get a little bit switched for the sake of being more comfortable for people Mm -hmm. rather than well and it could be kind of a manipulative thing too for business because it's more comfortable then it'll get more people in the door right um so this goes it's like it looks like a target you know and in the middle it just says self it doesn't say brahman it just says self and then like outside that then there's like ananda mayakosha then you know, the bliss body, then the vijnana maya kosha, the wisdom body, then mana maya kosha, the mind, and then pranamaya, the the energy of chi, and then the anamaya, the physical. So mm. this is like going inward because I guess like they're trying to think about that idea of turning the senses inward. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've thought of it that way, that the outer layer, the outermost layer, kosha, is the body. But mm-hmm. then then, then it, by self, they mean Atman, as opposed right. to Jim Bob. Yeah, exactly. They, uh, you know, that would be uh, Atman. That word yeah. ego, that Latin word ego, which used to mean I, has, yeah. has been turned into something else by Freud that means yeah. something other than I. Right, right. And that's another thing that I think is a big deal. I really, I need to work my way up, I think, to getting into the position of being a stand-up comedian or something. Yeah. Because some of these things that we talk about in our society that we we shame each other on are just so, it's it's a ridiculous, like, mockery. Yeah. Of, of what We're parroting a misunderstanding of an yes, arcane way yeah. of looking at it that was just one guy's point of view who got popular because his uncle was rich or something, <laughs> exactly. or, his, or his nephew was Edward Bernays. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. His, his nephew Edward Bernays also got inspiration, yeah, to uh, do all types of other propaganda. Of yeah. course, but, um, yeah, use the uh, use Freud's <laughs> understanding of human psychology against humanity. Yeah, yeah, and I mean they're both Zionists too. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is like Freud, though, we have to say, I mean, whether or not he really came up with this or a team of people came up with this, what he's talking about with the model of the self, it it really works well, but only if you've got all of the parts right. of that system that, you know, in grip, you have to have a grip on them. Otherwise, it's like it's it's a Frankenstein monster in its own kind of right. Where the way, you know, people are running around with the word ego and they're like, yeah. they're tagging each other with it or they're shaming each other about it. Yeah. And there's no way out of it. Nobody has like the keys to that, that room. They're just locking people in it. You know, I, they're locking I bring people's attention to that with third chakra yeah. work. Mm. That's where I talk about the ego <laughs> and how this is where the ego is. Okay, let's talk about that. You know, and, and mm-hmm. we're not we're not saying you know shame it. We're not saying That's make good. it make it the king. It's here below Anahata. So Anahata is superior to Manipura, just like love is superior to your opinion. And but they're all important and they all line up and they all you know are are necessary. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, 
But where would, that, where, would that put the, where would that put the superego? Well, the superego, from my understanding, is society. So, I mean, that p- puts it in the shitter, personally. I think that it's an error to put the superego above the ego. Because mm-hmm. then, then you're saying that, you know, everybody's society, the societal standard of, like, if you happen to live in the South, like, what church you go to, um, that's the superego. So, like, right. So that's, that's whatever, the-, the collective ego. Yeah, that's that's the unconscious superego though. There's actually a conscious superego, just like there's a conscious ego, mm. and that's that's the interesting thing about Freud's model of the self. Um, that there's just this wonderful diagram somebody did. They did an illustration, and it's an iceberg, and it shows things that are under the water: the id, and the superego, and the ego to be the unconscious. So the Superego, or the id rather, which is inside of the ego on this on this illustration. Makes sense. It's always unconscious. It's down inside the ego, inside not only the ego, but inside the unconscious ego. Um, but once you can get a hold on all these things, they, they tend to stop um, governing the way that you're living your life anymore. Like the id. That's, that reminds me what you were saying mm-hmm. earlier about the parasitic things. Oh, yeah. That that's where they get you. Is in mm-hmm. the in the things you're unconscious of that are going on on that level, kind of. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And when we're a child, that's very pronounced because we haven't we haven't been instilled with the super ego's teachings yet. Um, you know the the shame or the or the that is not what anybody in their right mind does. Nobody exactly. does that. Yeah. Nobody nobody screams in the grocery store. I want that. I want that. I want that. Nobody does. Don't that. touch no. him. He has diseases. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Drop the quarter into the cup next time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And those things could turn into neuroses. That's true. I got pink eye. So I learned the hard way. Oh, no. (laughs) When I first started going out feeding homeless people, I was shaking all their hands. Hmm. Live and learn. Yeah, right. But then, you know, then we'd bring Purell for for them to use, too. You know. Mm hmm. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, sorry, <laughs> derailed that one. That's okay. It's all right. It's so fun do you to. Know, do you know Scarlet Magdalene, aka? Yes, I do. <clears throat> Why I are mean, you laughing? Oh no, no. I mean, I imagine she was probably peripherally involved with the. Oh yes. And possibly in. I don't think I met him. He okay. sounds familiar, okay, but I don't. I must have it. taken off. Maybe. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, she's still a good friend. She's she's actually been a longtime spy for me, and I never asked her to. <laughs> but she'd always she always ends up going out with someone who always starts talking some shit about me, and then Ooh. she sneaks into the kitchen and calls me in the middle of the night and whispers to me what they're ta- what they're saying. Whoa, that's far out. She did that once in two thousand one, and once like a year ago. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> that is so far out, man. Yeah. But then, but then it's kind of fucked up because I was like, oh well, he's on coke, and she's like, oh, interesting. I'll be right back. Yeah, I told him you said he was on coke, and I'm like, oh, you're just making trouble. <laughs> like, oh, dude. <laughs> How interesting. So let's see. Oh, oh, there's another one. Oh shoot, she must have a veil. She has some kind of invisibility thing. Um, oh, yeah, and she's a good friend of so that makes sense. She probably doesn't want me to know she exists anymore. Um, that's, I might know who you're talking about. Yeah, I, can't, I, can't, I can see her face, but I can't remember her name. I don't know. Something. That sounds familiar. Yeah. I don't know. There were so many of these crazy kids. Yeah. That's cool. She and I went out briefly mm-hmm. back in. 2001 
long distance relationship. <laughs> I see. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. But you know, someday it that's won't, wonderful. It won't be long distance someday. But yeah, it's it's good. I mean, it's like imagine what you know. It's it's so well worth the wait. I think though, it's like we really genuinely dig each other quite a bit. So. Janie and I, we figure we've been together eight years, and if it turned out that she needed to go to Tokyo or Paris or I needed to go to India or Nepal for a while, that we'd go ahead and do it. That's good. You know, and, and just not hold each other back career-wise. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I think that's healthier. Yeah. There's a lot of people that can live autonomously just perfectly well, you know, and... um I think your level of emotional health just really is going to determine whether or not you can handle being alone. Yeah. You know, if you want to, if you start to like sh- feel conceptually like bad about it, I mean, we can go into all of the forms of suffering, you know, that we're experiencing. And what are all the forms? So the forms of suffering. So we've got asmita. So this is like the uh, five sufferings. Mm hmm. So we have this asmita, which is ignorance, <clears throat> and then there is. Okay, I'm going. Oh, okay. I remember these from the Yoga Sutra. Yeah. So we have. Or sutras. Mm-hmm. There's asmita, and then there's dvesha, which is uh, aversion or hatred. Um. Oh no, sorry. Asmita is actually um Asmita's not ignorance. Asmita is is they call it ego, but it's a false it's a false sense of identity. Mm. So you can say false oh, ego. Right. No, Asmita, yeah. Um so, or Freudian ego even. Yeah, like I mean cuz when they say ego they're not saying self. If, yeah, if Atman I don't is something I think different using the word ego in this honestly, I think it's incredibly destructive. Things. Yeah. yeah. Um it's like round peg square hole. Yeah, in a certain way. Yeah. I mean, you can jam it in there if you want, but it's not going to fill yeah. it properly. <laughs> right. You know, it's just going to you're still going to have these 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 questions that, that yet to be filled in about how yeah. asmita is not only that, but it is a byproduct of the mind. So, it's like I'm a doctor. Right. I'm Edward. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get fired. And then what are you now? Right. You know, so. Yeah. If you die, I'm not so-and-so's husband anymore. I'm not so-and-so's father anymore. Okay. Wow. You're getting into too many sufferings now all at once. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Abnivesha is the fear of dying. So, we'll get into that. (laughs) No, but when you die, you lose your sense of self. There's um, a a lot of sutras that talk about the the different kinds of Buddhist hells. Basically, it amounts to when you're clinging to your separate self. Yeah, well, the suffering... The separate self. Sufferings act like a net. You know, they act like... Not Annette Funicello. They don't act like her. (laughs) But they act like a net. (laughs) (laughs) Live without a net. (laughs) So it's like so we've got the ignorance part the um so avidya avidya is ignorance. Mm, I got plenty of that. You know? <laughs> yeah. We've all got a lot of that. I run into that every there's, day. <laughs> there's always going to be some of that, you know, and yeah. there's and and on the counter to we, that we, thank God there's going to be totally bored. Exactly like we know everything. Avidya is awesome because yeah, you'll always realize something new. Yeah. A dog can make you realize something new. Mm-hmm. A dog can freaking enlighten you. 
you yeah. know, like that's what enlightenment is. It's just it's a revelation. It's so the other side of a smita is also or not a smita, but um a vidya. A vidya is vidya. So that would be yeah, oh, the, right, when it's ah is no longer a uh, and you now know it, it's like aha. It's right it's a revelation, which is what I I really feel like I'm kind of all about. I'm all about revelations. At, yeah. And bringing it to the light in a way that's much more holistic and has uh, not really anything to do with the Bible. It's yeah. just like, um, I mean, sure, the Bible mentions it, which is great, but boy, is that thing confused. It mentions a lot of other stuff, too. Yeah, it yeah. says a lot of things. It's like, yeah, it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, just read the Bible, <laughs> except for the part about stoning people for right. being gay. Talking about the Bible is like, and, and as if it's a credible resource, is often talking about it's like talking about a gossip, you know, as, yeah. as a news source, like for what you need to know how the world's, you know, going on. And the only reason why it's any different from referring to any other mythology or source book of a religion is because so many people are so, you know, locked into it still in our yeah. country or society oh, that you have it. to clarify. Yeah. Like, I remember in uh, in English class, uh, my teacher had us reading the book of Job and she had to go on and on about how this isn't a religious thing she, that we're reading this as a literary work. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's hard to skirt that line. Right. So, and the, the five sufferings. So they're always going to be connected, though. Almost always. Like the... Um, so in English, they're ignorance. Uh, what, what are they? Ignorance. Um, a false sense of self. Mm. And then the other one is disgust or anger or hatred, aversion. Mm. And then there is fear of death. What is the fifth hmm. one? Yeah, they do seem to all go together, don't they? Yeah. Oh, the other one is, is um, so I think it's just clinging, attachment. Because, I mean, fear of death implies a false understanding of self. Because if, if you told someone who was a total clean slate, you know, you're, you're absolutely one with everything, but... For a while, you're going to be separate, and it's going to be hard. You're going to work hard and take shits, mm -hmm. and it's going to last about 70 or 80 years. Yeah. They'd be like, well, gee, I can't wait till it's over, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. how, how long is, or, or they'd be like, okay, you know, that's fine. Look forward to when it's over, you know? But, but once you're in it, once you've bought it, once you have, have bought into the sense of separate self or the false self, the individual self as opposed to the universal self, then uh, – yeah, fear of death just kind of is right around the corner. Right. Yeah. These are just, these are... And obsession with sex, too. Mm -hmm. Like, all of that stuff. And drugs. And, you know, to escape and, you know, go the wrong direction. Right. These are, like, the the, wink, the weak links in the psyche. Yeah. You know? And it's universal. It's not something that somebody's just often, you know, born totally not having any of these weak points. They're, right. they're all our little stumbling blocks. And um, if, if, like... You know, you're not able to, so the first blockage that is, like, the first suffering is a vidya. And so if you're not able to entertain the potential of being wrong, you're not going to be able to even um, look at what's going on with the rest of the of the kleshas. Right. You know, so it's like, that's pretty much why it starts with that. You know, it's like ignorance not knowing. And it's like, now you know that there's a potential to not know, just in case I you was... forgot. 
I grew up getting shamed for not knowing to the point where, mm-hmm. you know, you, you eventually shut up and just pretend you know. And then people humiliate you for pretending you know. They call you out on it. Right. You know, and then it's like, wow, you, I just can't win. You right. know, it's like every, everybody was made to feel like crap. And so they, they all insist on doing it to everyone else. Yeah, just just uh, recently, I think just this past year, I was contemplating on this, like how uh, it is to be in this human condition and have the... Um, have it forced upon us in society to make sense. Yeah. Everyone's like, you know, if you don't make sense, then you're going to look like an idiot. So you better just make sense of life. You better make sense of this, make sense of that. You know, yeah. and, when, and, in, and in doing that, you begin to subscribe to delusional mindsets. Right. Because you just will, will start to like, to just stubbornly uh, assert that you were right and that you know. And even pretend to know to the point where you just kind of hypnotizing yourself into a state of delusion. Yeah. And it's very, 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 very common. And once you start to be able to uh, really get into all these different nuances of the human condition, it's like you can't stop knowing that. You get deep yeah. enough into knowing. It's like going down that rabbit hole. You can't pretend you never went down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. Can't unsee it. Mm-mm. You can not. Can you not? You cannot unknow it. <laughs> Once you transcend, you cannot untranscend. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> it's like you've... what's the opposite of transcend? Yeah, there exactly. Is one. Like... <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> That's what it yes and no. <laughs> Trans and end. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. it's the end of the trance. Yeah, exactly. transcending is the end of the trance. Hey, there you go. That's very You're good. Selling. I never really thought about it that. I, d- I didn't sell it well, but no, uh, I think that was perfect. Feel free to use that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to end the trance, transcend. That's beautiful. I'll just say it. Transcend. <laughs> I didn't know Breakfast. it would be so easy. <laughs> Break fast, wait. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so it's like, uh, yeah, we've got the ignorance, and then the ego, or the asmita. I see that just goes directly to ego. It has, it's, this is the easy answer to asmita. And you mm-hmm. can't do that with Sanskrit. Everybody can't copy each other if they're going to teach Sanskrit. They can't yeah. go to somebody else's English word and just copy that and look yeah. look um, like a scholarly source for this information. That's being put right. out there. It's just, this is just parrot again, parrot talk. Yeah, <clears throat> it's like so. Asmita can cause a yoga teacher to suffer in that they are identifying as a yoga teacher, mm-hmm. and if you cannot find teachers or students, then you start to wither <laughs> as a teacher. You that feel. is really good advice. Yes. So identifying as a teacher has destructive implications. That's great. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I, oh, sorry. And then what, what ropes us into that is the next, the next one. This, the, it goes straight into the next one, which is raga or attachment. Mm-hmm. You're now attached to being a yoga teacher, and now you're attached to needing students. So it's like the the weight just gets heavier. Part of the theme of the oh, the overall theme of this podcast is what does it mean to be a yogi? Mm-hmm. Uh, the description is Edward is a yoga teacher who aspires to be a yogi. So this gets kind of <laughs> kind of right at that. There you go. Is, uh, yeah, 
is I'm so I'm currently self-identifying as a yoga teacher, and I feel bad when I don't have students. And I hope one day that I'll transcend that and be a yogi, <laughs> <laughs> who still is a yoga teacher by trade. <laughs> I made a video on it's YouTube where I said that I'm quitting teaching. Nice. And I was just, I don't know, I'm looking so goofy in it. I'm just like staring at the camera and I'm like, I'm quitting, but I will finish this with, with a healing I will send out now to you all. And I just like stare at the camera <laughs> and, it's like, and it's a really, really intense, like freaky stare. <laughs> nice. But you didn't quit. No. I can't stop you teaching quit, because I just... You quit self-identifying. I perpetually teach. Yeah, I did. I just stopped identifying. That was the... That was that's the such good advice. And that's one of those parasitic things that, like, like just now you healed me of because I didn't realize that I was doing that until you, you put it that way. And I realized, wow, that's the source of a lot of suffering that I just carry. I just walk around <laughs> yes, carrying this go. whole sense of, gee, I hope this whole scheme works to be a yoga teacher, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! I'm so happy for you. I can just be. Yes. yes you <laughs> I don't even have to be Edward. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Oh, uh, good. One of my one of my friends slash students slash slash associates slash fellow divine beings the other day named me Maya. So I have another name. Yeah, yoga Maya sounds like Maya anyway, but she didn't know about Yoga Maya. She was just like, I think I'm gonna call you Maya. I haven't been going by Yoga Maya yet. I have just been going by Catherine Russ. Do you want to start going by Yogi Maya? No, not if nobody can pronounce it right. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I'll call you Catherine Russ. Yeah. So how about that name? Your birth name, Catherine. Yeah, that's fine. What does it mean? Oh, it means pure. Okay. But it also associates to St. Catherine of, I think, Aragon or something like that. Where is that it? sounds Saint... familiar. She, uh, Catherine of the Wheel. Oh, she broke the wheel. Yeah. She was the one that everybody thinks isn't real. She, uh, the, 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 she got all the smart people together and convinced them that Christianity was real. And then they put her on a wheel and she broke it. it was, is that the same person? Yes. She was really intelligent, and she blew blew away everyone from Catherine other different Alexandria. religions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I love her. I mean, I'm really I'm very happy that um, my name is associated to her because I feel, yeah. I feel kind of like that. Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. What about Russ? Um, that is a anglicized version of Oroș from Romania. Oh, cool. And, uh, yeah, so my family immigrated from Romania in the 20s. Um, it's been said that I'm related to Catherine Kargiga, hmm. uh, who is, uh, her, her maiden name was Credulesco, so she was a princess, Catherine, uh, Katrina Kargiga Credulesco. She, uh, was said to be related to Dracula, but... I don't know if that's exactly true. So I can't completely... So the name was Orosh? How do you spell that? O-R-O-S. I think I've got a lot of Greek in my family. And um, mm -hmm. I've looked at, actually, that it could mean mountain in Greek. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, like ore, like iron ore, yeah. or gold ore. Yeah, and in Spanish it would be more like gold. Like oro is like gold. Um, and I've also sure. heard that it... it 
relates to the Basque region of Spain or oh, Orozco. Cool. Um, I have a friend who's from there. They're, they're supposedly Atlantean. Hmm. I mean, according to a friend of mine who's into all that stuff. I see. Edgar Casey and whatnot. Well, there's definitely something interesting about that little tiny region of Spain. It's yeah. like it's there's an isolation there. You know, I don't know. I don't understand it, but it's like there's a language isolation, and it's ancient. But yeah, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, like what? parasites. Yeah, uh, that was that one was, thing. We I wanted had like to... a parasite theme going. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I mean, this is going to be some creative editing. I don't know. If I know, right? Maybe. For people who are starting out, who are just kind of getting barely interested in yoga, um, how how would you say like t- that would be a good way to get started? Um, identifying or seeing seeing if they have any of these like unconscious parasites, like what we were talking about. Well, I think diet really does help with that to help clear your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so trying a fast, um, I think doing the anti-inflammatory fast is a really good idea. It's not very, how does that one go? So you have to take out all the foods in the diet that, that could cause inflammation potentially. So it doesn't even necessarily have to mean that you have to go vegetarian, although that's definitely a huge recommendation. But mm-hmm. um, you can try the anti-inflammatory one first to see what might be, um, causing you difficulties in at least assimilating your food and your nutrients properly. Right. And so you would be cutting out things that are in the nightshade family, like potatoes, tomatoes, eggplants. Um, You'd also cut out peanuts. I forget what else. You can find it online. You can find everything online, anti-inflammatory diet. What about the more metaphorical parasites? So the more metaphorical ones, um, I would probably entertain the idea of just going ahead and getting a Catholic exorcism to see what happens. <laughs> I think it's a very good way to do it. It's very direct. You don't want to beat around the bush. Or you could try getting around people who are praying to you know things such as Jesus Christ and God and like get around like a lot of those types of prayers and see how it's making you feel. If you start to feel incredibly uncomfortable and upset and agitated, there's something going on. Right. There's really something going on. And that's like, um, that's an interesting way to, to kind of address it. It's not as easy if like you, well, for instance, I've been dealing with women lately a lot who have been dealing with like, potentially succubus energies, Lilith energies, things like that, which are like really troublesome mm-hmm. and give you night terrors and make you feel sick, make you end up getting into violating situations like like acquaintance rapes or date rapes or just like straight up rape, you know, things that are really violating. Uh, yeah. Or you feel like you're in a constant cycle where like you're getting a lot of na- uh, negative male attention you don't want, but it keeps happening. Um, or you just end up being promiscuous and stop caring. Your standards just all go down the drain and you don't have any, um, any boundaries anymore. And you keep, you know, people tell themselves they're sexually liberated and they're just being promiscuous. 
things like that. We're just doing these things with our bodies and our, our, we're, our bodies are taking a toll, but we've simply stopped caring. It's really hard to actually get there though and be like, wait, maybe something's wrong because usually you're so deep into it at that point. Right. So this would probably fall under the heading of the Niyama Brahma or the Yama Brahmacharya. Mm-hmm. Like people who, um, the, the, which is basically be wise about your sexual energy. Yeah. Yeah. Keep all of your affairs in order, so to speak, I've heard is another way of, of talking about that. You know, if you feel like it's, it's necessary for you to just have random casual sexual encounters with people, it's probably because you've got something going on in you that really is enjoying feeding upon lustful vibrations. Right. And you might be getting a lot of pleasure out of it, too, because you, for sure this thing is right up in your pleasure center. It's in your core, and it's actually messing with your nervous system. Hmm. Yeah. So in this example, do you think that that would be a physical parasite or like an astral parasite? Or what do we uh, – I mean – When it comes to being promiscuous? Well, yeah, like um, the the need to – like if if there's something attached to you that it itself is feeding off of what you're what you're doing, you know what I mean? Like um, I th- you were saying that it, it wants be, you to behave this. It way. could be both ways. I think it could be you know perhaps strains of of bacteria and viruses or, yeah. or VDs that you get that can also like have an astral implication or a vibrational um, right kind of like counterpart to it. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that that, that can happen. I mean, some people have been, you know, have been reported as being for instance unable to get herpes, you know, for in a certain for a certain reason, you know, where it's like they don't really quite know, but yeah, this person's had sex unprotected with people who have herpes and they never got it and they've tested negative. How does that happen? Well, they're not vibrating with it. Hmm. Yeah, it's like they're somehow able to to escape the vibration of it. Very interesting. Yeah. Huh. So there's, I think it goes both ways. Yeah. I think a person that you think I think you could even pick up a spirit attachment completely spiritually by having sex with somebody. Right. Yeah. You know? That makes sense. Yeah. I've also heard of just picking up like sex spells. Like maybe some people have gotten themselves into trance states when they are on their own time masturbating, and now every time they're sexually excited, it's like they're automatically casting hexes. Huh. Yeah. From intentionally casting hexes in like that kind of magical practice? Yeah. Um, mm hmm. So it's like uh. their, their sex life and their magic life. Are just they're they're one, yeah. Together, and so when they're they're doing some kind of a concentration practice, and they're they're masturbating and focusing on an image or whatever it is they're doing or an accomplishment, it, right. it might be affecting other people that they're that they're dabbling with in bed. Hmm. But they're probably obsessing themselves more than anything, right? Of course, it's not like it's even serving them. It's like it's just like a byproduct, uh, and maybe what they're doing is a unwholesome practice for them anyway. Like the their own personal practice, it might it might satisfy something for them, but it's only because they we're, we're ritual creatures. We can we can 
you know, we can, everyone knows the Opus Dei, they go and they cut themselves regularly and they derive some kind of a pleasure from that. Right. You know, because they've trained themselves up to that because we're that adoptable. Yeah. Adaptable, rather. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we have a human mind is so complex uh, that we've convinced ourselves that we are all special and different from each other. And uh, I think a main defense I end up getting from a lot of people when I'm um, talking about common human sufferings is you don't know me. You know, it's like, you don't know where where I've been or who I am or what I've been with or what I've experienced, you know, and it's like... Basically defending their separate self. Exactly. Defending that breakage. They're defending the breaking points. Yeah. As if... And I've, I've made fun of this since I was, like, probably, like, 12, you know, that people often have this weird attitude, like, every scar I have makes me who I am today, you know, and it's like, you don't need that that's that's totally arbitrary yeah you can let go of scars yeah it's not gonna hurt you that's interesting and uh the forgiveness is for you and that's why it is because you know even if somebody else hurt you terribly or they did something out of complete ignorance that has altered you forever you have to forgive them so you can move forward totally, you know, otherwise it's like that person who hurt me, I always want to go back and just like, just physically like I want to cut his face. You know, you like, you just start thinking all of these terrible things. Every time I go on the freeway. Yeah. Whatever it is, you know, it's like, yeah, we have to work (laughs) on ironing those things out. You know, it's like, it's eating you up inside, man. (laughs) Yeah. And posture, and it, there's like the, the 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 posture of depression. Yeah. There's like a very specific posture where yoga just kind of like breaks the cycle, right? In the where go. where it's the body, because you're telling the body to get into a confident uh-huh. position. Yeah, power posing has become like yeah. has become part of it. And that that should be yeah, the life hack. That should be acknowledged as a yoga. A lot of things that totally. are being called life hacks should be mm-hmm. acknowledged as yogas. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those are yogas. And, you know, being more of a of a sufficient and autonomous and upright and healthy person, that's all yoga. You know, yeah. like that's, it doesn't all have to be Swedish gymnastics, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we like that stuff. It feels good and it's fun and we get fit from it and everyone loves it and sex is good. Yay. But but there's a glass ceiling. Exactly. There's a glass ceiling. And I've yeah. seen so many famous like hotshot yoga teachers who hurt themselves. They bang themselves up because they've done all six series of Ashtanga now and like they've really like they're so ripped and they're just like constantly like going at it, you know, teaching people how to be, like, the most hardcore. And then it's, like, it only goes so far until, like, okay, now I have blown out my knees and I better take some time doing restorative yoga for maybe a few years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's probably why we've invented all these other extreme opposites to the power yoga. So we have power yoga and then what came up, you know, about 10, 15 years later uh, yin yoga, restorative yoga, you know? Yeah. As I wonder why that happened. Yeah. I just did some Kriya 
followed by Hatha last night. It was really nice. I was I swear my body started releasing chemicals it hasn't released before. Awesome. I love doing Kriyas because it's always a wonderful way to give you a platform to observe yourself and your attitudes and where you're at. It's to me it's like it's like taking the thermometer and dipping it in the swimming pool and being like, Okay. Yeah. Now I know. <laughs> now I know what's been going yeah. on. Yeah, I feel like I need to do more. I mean, I I, I feel like there was there was some uh, some issues in my uh, like my left hamstring that all the yoga that I had been doing up to this point like hadn't hadn't taken care of, but just those few kriyas took care of. Yeah, it's wonderful how it'll work out stuff that's just kind of making you feel like, ah, oh, what am I going to do with this? Yeah, you know, yeah. and then it's like until oh, someone gone. tells you, okay, yeah. use the breath of fire and keep holding. And you're like, okay, and I'm like, wow, it went away. Mm-hmm. Cool. Didn't know I could do that. Yeah, I noticed that. Well, about a couple of years ago, I was really working on just kicking up with both feet into a handstand. It was it was really feeling getting tricky for me. I was like, okay, why am I scared? of doing both legs at once instead of one at a time. And then instead of like having to force myself into just doing it, which I did a few times, which was still awkward and still felt like really like a forced and like, uh, you know, type of situation. Mm-hmm. I just did like Kriyas for about two or three weeks. And then all of a sudden I had all this extra power and th- there was, mm-hmm. there was so much more energy. The, the impulse of fear was completely just overridden. It was just like, it was just, you know what would I what would I say like a very small little rock in in a in a parking lot and everything's just getting paved over it didn't even it wasn't even noticeable hmm. you know it was just like oh yeah that thing that blocked me what, what was that you know where did that go yeah <laughs> nice mm-hmm. yeah I think I'm gonna increase my creo work for sure <laughs> yeah I think I think I have a understanding why I used to think I was kind of like a celebrity because I had so many celebrity arch demons attached mm. to me. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe that'll be another podcast. I don't know. Celebrity arch demons. Yeah. Like, like Baphomet and, um, Oh, right. Yeah. And Lucifer and Satan. Like they, they had different, the they ones. had different voices. Yeah. yeah. They were like, they were different. Lucifer and Satan were different entities. I like him from Powerpuff Girls. Him, oh my god, yeah. Oh, that thing. <laughs> that freaking thing is so hilarious. Oh my god. Yeah, I feel like I could write a book based on these things that I channeled that got kicked out of me because it was like just so far out. I've never experienced anything like that before. Yeah. It was that was, like going that sounds like fun. It was like a psycho spiritual carnival ride. And I did lose part of my finger in the process because I got a staph infection. I got a cut. But that was something else. You know, it's like it was right before they uh, I I started asking for the exorcisms, Mm -hmm. you know, like like maybe like a day or two before I was rinsing the steamer and it cut my finger really deep. And I ended up getting a staph infection. I didn't clean it good enough, apparently. I tried. I really did. And I was, like, looking for hydrogen peroxide, but I couldn't even say the word hydrogen peroxide. I I couldn't uh, articulate my needs after I mm. cut myself. That was the weirdest thing. I was in this really, really weird headspace where everything was just bogged down. Everything was just, like, I could not. I was like, bleh. Owie. Fuck this. Yeah. I'm going to go buy cigarettes. Like, I was in such a weird place. 
I went and I bought a pack of cigarettes and I went out to the back and I was like, why did I just buy cigarettes? I thought to myself, I'm like, why did I do that? And then the first thing that popped in my head was Satan. I was, I was like, why did I think that? Do I believe in Satan? It was like, whoa. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So like the, I mean, later on that day, I was telling my friend who I was living with at the time, who's been trained in Catholic exorcism. I was like, I didn't even know he was trained in Catholic exorcism. I just all of a sudden said, I think I might be possessed. He's like, yeah. And that, that guy who I was living with, he brought out some stuff too, because he, he got, he got kind of molesty with me and I didn't like that because I wasn't into him like that. The exorcism? Uh huh. Yeah. So like before I asked for exorcism, he had already like basically like pushed himself on me a few days ago. And I was like, really not happy about that. I was really, really pissed off. Yeah. uh... I used to do the uh, litany of Laredo at my old temple pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably familiar with about half of the exorcism. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... Ora pro nobis, Sancta Maria. Yeah, he, there, there was no, ca- there was no like, uh, Latin in it. It was... Oh, it wasn't a traditional exorcism. Yeah, it wasn't, like, really very fancy. It was just plain English. Mm. But it was just, like, a protocol that worked. It was very, very weird. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I definitely felt these things coming out and it was clearly effective. It got rid of pain. I had in my body. Um, there was a lot going on. I was shocked. Um, and then it, once, once a certain, once enough of the layers got pulled out of the spirit attachments, just mm-hmm. concept, conceptual archetypes that I found myself like identifying to all of a sudden out of nowhere. I felt were holding me back. So I had to have even just conceptual archetypes like pulled out. Right. It was, it got really abstract. Yeah. I mean, just talking about it, I find myself going through the process where it's like, you know, I starting with Michael Knight in Knight Rider, I, uh, you know, would trade one for, I'd trade up a little bit. Like first I traded up to Stringfellow Hawk from Airwolf. And then I, I eventually worked my way up to Hermes. And then now I'm up to Shiva. Hmm. But, but I mean, I can let go of that too. Like, you know, these are all just, they're there to be helpful, not to be, not to be limiting, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, except, I mean, in in a certain usage of the word limiting, but you can, you can grow beyond your, uh, what you're aspiring to, in other words, or, or you don't have to be loyal. You don't have to be brand loyal to your heroes, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, like, even if, like, you're defending them, like, that way, you might as well get them kicked out and see if they come back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like that old expression, you know, let it go and see what see what stays. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, you know, who else spoke through me for a minute was Thoth. And, you know, mm. oh, yeah. I don't yeah. think Thoth was, like, upset to be kicked out. He probably knew that it was going to happen. He just was, right. he was just doing, like, um, a little... Well, he blew a lot of bubbles, and you know he expects them to be bubbles. He doesn't expect them all to want to be him. Yeah, I think you know thought thought is like really interesting. It was it was I was fascinated that that was going on there, and the way 
the exorcist like thought of it as a false thought mm. and it, which you know it could have been it could have been false thought there could have been actual thoughts like you don't really know i mean what what is what right you know it could have been like a portion of thought that's serving a purpose you know to basically inscribe on your heart from the underworld like hi um this is going on here uh it's kind of like the way i see it is like uh you know how there's si- signs all over cities uh little signs like little circular tiny signs that say before digging here ask about the gas pipes underneath right <laughs> yeah you know i feel like that's like <laughs> What Thoth was like. That's like, what our neuroses are. Thoth, Thoth <laughs> yeah. like, drew, drew a little sign on my heart saying, like, yeah, there's some stuff in here. It's Fragile. like, there's some <laughs> yeah. shit going on, you know? Handle with so care. I could at least get a little a little message, get a little hint. Yeah. yeah. It was far out. You know, what really started making me think I was possessed is because, like, yeah, I was like, I suddenly wanted to curse the household. Mm. I wanted to curse. And I've never wanted to curse people and things so much before. I was like, why do I want to hex everybody all of a sudden? Why do I want to just throw out curses? Yeah. That was a big kind of like, uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe I should go through an exorcism because, yeah, that happens to me on the freeway or when I'm looking through my news feed. Yeah, that could be something. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's not who... It's not as like, it's it's more of a gut impulse as opposed to like a fully realized mental, you know, I'm going to put a curse on this person, but it's much more of a, oh, God, I wish I could hit you, you know, mm-hmm. it's very, very basic. Right. But if it's a little shocking to you and you're like, wow, that's wrong, it could be something. Yeah. It could be something. It's it's funny how, how it presents itself sometimes. Uh, when I was in Australia... Uh, my boyfriend's brother would say the things that I thought that I fought back uh, and didn't want to say because I was like, that's mm. immature, that's retarded, that's not cool, that's, <laughs> that's fucked up. I would just say that to myself and not repeat what the thought was that was rolling around in my head. Mm-hmm. I found it interesting that his, his brother would say exactly what I was thinking, like quite a few times. And I was like, oh, wow, he said that. And then I started to realize, like, well, after my exorcisms only did I realize this. Like, oh, yeah, his brother relates to Lucifer and, you know, things like that. And he's, like, on that kind of vibration. And I was like, I wonder if he's got that attachment, too. And that's kind of like it was talking to both of us at the same time. And that's kind of how it can work sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, wow. It's like an army of me. (laughs) (laughs) imagine the devil singing that bjork song now (laughs) (laughs) well thank you for being a guest on uh, the esoteric nerd podcast today sore thank you so much brother it's very nice to meet you and to to meet someone of the lineage of of my former student barabbas (laughs) 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 oh what a trip oh man so yeah, uh, like let's do this again for sure. And uh, I mean, just so the audience knows, this was totally spontaneous. Like I was like, "Hey, want to want to do an interview right now?" So we we don't really know what we talked about or or anything. Um, so I'll have to re-listen to it to figure out what to write in the description. But yeah, next <laughs> time we'll we'll plan something and we'll and we'll uh, really attack a or maybe I'll have Joe on as well. And and uh, he he's always good at taking the conversation in interesting directions too. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Yeah.
It's yeah, like long like, overdue because like I've been seeing you there on the interweb intertubes for a long time. Yeah, right. And I knew that we were like from the same tribe, so I, <laughs> I knew eventually we'd talk. But you know, I'm glad to finally get to it. Yes. All right. We'll talk another time. Yeah. Okay, totally. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll talk. Have soon. a good night. You too. Bye. 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 Thank you, Catherine, Yogi Mai, did I get that right? For being our guest on the Esoteric Nerd Podcast tonight. Thank you also to Susumu Ueda and his father and the other monks at Jofuku Inn Temple on Mount Koyasan. That's in Japan. You should really go. It's about two hours north of Osaka on the uh, three trains. Thank you also to Jean-Michel Jarre. That's spelled J-A-R-R-E for providing the music to the Transformations and Footnotes segment. Special thanks to Brian Dahl. Special thanks to Camille and Kennerly, identical twins, who played the harp transition into and out of the interviews, which might sound familiar from Game of Thrones. Oh my god, are you all caught up? That part where... Oh, not everybody's caught up. Okay. But the rest of you, you know what I'm talking about. Damn! Ha ha ha. Thank you all for tuning in. Like a child in his fantasy, punching holes in